Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Growth Hacking Show for business coaches and consultants. This is a podcast for you to discover new business growth campaigns directly from the trenches. I am Ed Rich and I interview business thinkers and thought leaders about their successes, failures and business. And most importantly, what's working now in their business. Hey everyone, I'm here again with an excitement of uh, knowing something that I did not know before and that has a lot to do with grants, government grants and grants that make your ideas possible, that makes your innovations uh, go out in the world and change the world. And uh, this is especially useful for those um, entrepreneurs who have um, either who are tight on their resources or who don't have a like a strong funding yet, but they want to get some kind of traction. And this is also useful for those coaches and consultants who are coaching or consulting entrepreneurs who are funding their ideas either with their own money or with their family friends money or with small investors in place and they can go uh, faster or can get some kind of cushion with government grants that will bring in credibility and um, speed to the to the to the change they are trying to bring in in the world so today i'm here with ilke uh hello ilke hi ed how are you Hey, I'm great. So we just finished recording an amazing uh, presentation with LK where he's going in details about the grants. But before you get an opportunity to go and see that presentation, I think it's an amazing uh, idea if I let LK introduce himself to us. So LK, tell us about yourself. Thanks, uh, Ed, first of all, for having me on your podcast. So the first time I've met you uh, on LinkedIn, it totally resonated with me because uh, you're also helping SMEs uh, with their growth uh, desire. And I found that really fantastic what you are building up here with your platform for the members. So my name is Ilkay Veskizolu. I'm a business-to-business development strategist. I uh, yeah entered the... Uh, let's say, the challenge of being a solopreneur uh, three years ago, uh, to be precise, November 2015, after being 25 years in heavy industries in different positions. Uh, The last one was a sales director and vice general manager of a large, medium-sized company here in northern Bavaria. And uh, my dream was always to be a freelance uh, and to share my knowledge and help uh, innovation-driven companies or innovation-driven people also. And yeah, this is how I'm now uh, yeah, acting uh, on my LinkedIn and on the market with my business innovation coaching and business development consulting. That's amazing. So we talk about innovation a lot. I, I think it will help if we dig a little bit deeper and define what we mean by innovation here. Innovation, at uh, many people understand innovation as or mix it up with invention, uh, to my observation. Uh, Let's take the example of SpaceX, uh, uh, Elon Musk's uh, venture that uh, brings passengers up into uh, outer space and brings them uh, back. Uh, SpaceX is certainly uh, full of inventions because 
you want to get uh, the people safely up and safely back uh, to their original port. And it is certainly not so easy from the oxygen levels uh, and uh, the environment in the plane, uh, the, the way it, uh, the angle of attack, yeah, which we know now from the Boeing 737 MAX, these are all different things that have to be reinvented. Uh, and I'm not particularly talking about those inventions. I'm talking more about combining probably existing practices, even best available uh, practices, in a way that is a, in an innovative approach in solving a problem and creating a different kind of value, better value ideally to end users. So that's my understanding of innovation. I do, of course, appreciate there are several different uh, ways to define innovation, uh, depending on the market you are working, the community you are in. Uh, so innovation is certainly not uh, uh, a neatly described and defined uh, word. But for me, innovation is, yes, something that is combined in a way to provide new value and new ideas. I remember that your credo talks about innovation and disruption. What is it? Yeah, I've, uh, wasn't, I was invited just uh, recently to a keynote and uh, the, the friend who invited me uh, said, what is a quote I can put uh, on, on our leaflet? And uh, believe me, Ed, until that time, I never thought about a neatly written quote, but I've uh, developed one. And uh, uh, I'm also happy it resonated with you. That is, uh, the innovation is the only power that uh, disrupts the way we live, learn, and work. So in this quote, I've packed living, learning, and working, innovation. And what we haven't so far discussed is disruption. Yeah. I want to shift the people's, people's thinking, their minds, and with shifting it, help to live better, learn better, work better. Anything we do also as an SME, and I, um, I hope that a lot of SME owners are listening to this, uh, this will serve society, uh, your innovation. And uh, I would encourage any SME owner to work on their uh, innovation and get it spread out there as long as it fulfills the dream of people to live better, learn better, or work better. What do you mean by disruption, by the way? Disruption is uh, a shift in, first of all, the mindset, but also, of course, in the handling of the application. Um, there is this uh, classical example of, you know, the music industry. Um, Maybe you have seen in, in, in my backdrop, there is a Technics Direct Drive turntable where I'm an audiophilist and uh, listening to vinyl uh, music. Uh, so that is how, how it started, right? In, in the 20s, 30s, uh, music being on vinyl. Then what came next is CDs, compact discs. Uh, now, today, we are streaming music. Uh, this is uh, three times disruption. So the music industry was disrupted three times. And uh, it's difficult pro probably to put it in words, but this is how I understand disruption. So is it safe to say that the, the way the whole industry work is changed? Or even if it's one company that becomes an industry in itself. So for example, in case of music, it became, it was, I would say Napster 
in one sense, but then iTunes came along and then it took over everything. And then now they are Shopify, uh, Spotify, uh, Deezer, Apple Music, and all those things are they're trying to reinvent the whole music scene again. Absolutely, absolutely. So within even Napster and uh, Spotify and Deezer, you are seeing disruptions in the way they are handling the the plants, uh, the abos they are uh, selling. Yeah, this is how, how I understand disruption. Of course, there are different degrees of disruptions. One is a slight disruption and one is a major one. But what you also see is um, sometimes, uh, and, and that is probably also the ideal uh, situation, the disruption doesn't necessarily replace the older technology. You still have compact discs, you still have vinyl. I'm, I'm listening now, vinyl alongside uh, music streaming, but both have different functions. The vinyl is at home enjoying, and the music streaming is on the car when I'm traveling, for example. So yeah. yes, yeah. you are disrupting, but uh, and you're changing behaviors, but this is um, uh, comfortable. This is uh, something you can, you know, add to your life, lifestyle. Yeah, so I have yeah. something personal to ask, which is going a little bit off track from the disruption no and innovation and, and all of these because it, it, it keeps bugging me in my head like I, I, I need to know. You mentioned that um, you are passionate about the freelancing side, basically the lifestyle uh, freelancing uh, and, and you always wanted to work as freelancer but if I look at your profile you have a stack of degrees, really high level, big degrees uh, on, on, on your back. So why is instead of going for uh, companies and corporates and higher, uh, like climbing the ladder there, you chose or it, it was your dream to become a freelancer? What was the motivation behind? Good question. I'm uh, frequently asked uh, asked this question by <laughs> several of your colleagues. Uh, yeah, and it is difficult to um, explain that shortly. First of all, Ed, it was not an easy decision. Yeah? Uh, after uh, 25 years in industry, in a respectful uh, uh, position, in a, uh, in a market where you're known, now suddenly as a prime major, I'm 40, uh, I was 45 at that time, now 48, um, it, it was not an easy to de decision to do so. But, um, you know, in Germany, we have to work until 67. Uh, so I still have 20 years to go and there was a point uh, where I was just reflecting uh, there were se several triggers um, and I was reflecting on my career and I said okay the career is going well but something is missing here I don't know um, most of you guys you probably know Maslow's uh, uh, needs pyramid yeah uh, so you are now coming in the career in a corporate nine to five job, I don't know whether you can relate to that, you're coming to the point where you are appreciated, you earn money, you got all the perks you want, and uh, you got a good reputation, but you're always somehow under the direction, under some certain uh, rules, and you cannot break out those rules. And first and foremost, uh, you have always to consider 
let's say the competitive advantage, the environment uh, your employer is working in. You cannot break out. You have to stay within that frame. Now, inside me, there is uh, the wish that I have accumulated so much knowledge. Now you say I have these uh, degrees. Yes, I did my MBA uh, at the Open University through blended learning. And I did a Master of Science in International Management at the Open University. And I did also the Master of Research at the University of Liverpool. So I'm really UK related with my higher education. And of course, you accumulate a lot of academic uh, knowledge. And um, uh, don't get me wrong, I, I have uh, read a lot of nonsense also during this academic education. or. Maybe nonsense is not fair. Maybe say something that is not relevant to my uh, industrial background. But I'm, I've taken what is relevant to my background and uh, merged it uh, with my practice. And I'm seeing there is a great possibility to educate people and, uh, you know, collaborate with them and co-create uh, a way that they are more successful. And I would like to share this knowledge and this experience to see that innovation-driven, small companies, SMEs, that uh, have one thing in common, and this is the constraint of the resources, that they get with their innovative idea, a really a competitive edge, and uh, solve real-time, real-world problems with it. And uh, if you come back to the question, uh, the, the idea of being a freelance was planted probably already at times when I was at high school. I was... Uh, side hustling as a freelancer uh, at that time and uh, I liked the idea of being self-responsible but for circumstances I had to do the classic route in Germany uh, do a dual training go to school and go to work <clears throat> and then uh, I worked my uh, my rank up uh, but with, with 45 my daughter was grown up uh, the life was uh, in order I said okay now I need now we got it, disruption. <laughs> disruption for myself if I want to self-actualize and reach really the top of the pyramid. And this is, a, I'm in the process of it. Yeah, that makes yeah. so much sense that like going freelancing is a dip, disruption in self-reinvention in itself. Um, yeah, but absolutely. Let me, let me ask you something more. Um, if you are given a magic wand and you can go back in time and change things or live the whole life again all over again from the beginning what will you change for example you're looking at the degrees and stuff is there any other difference in in, in those degrees or there's a different path that will you will take knowing what you know now so you go back in time but have the same level of no understanding of the world that you have today what would you change so this is like if you would ask me uh, what would you tell your uh, own 18-year-old, uh, right? You're yeah. 18 years yeah. old and it's, you, you're it's, telling it's kind of myself what, what, what you need to do right now. Right. Very insightful question. Uh, I need to do a reflective inquiry. On <laughs> no, that but what, what I would like to know is yeah. uh, what comes to your mind first. Yeah, the, the, the first thing and spontaneous reaction would be uh, do it much earlier. Uh, I did my MBA only in 2005. And, uh, you know, I started working in 1993. 
And in, 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 in 2005, I did the master's degree. And uh, in 2000, yeah, I, I, I finished the, the MBA, funnily, at the time when the financial crisis hit the, the world, right? Right. right. <laughs> uh, so continue working. Did you get a job after that? Uh, no, I still work in, in the, the company as a director at that time, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I, I did uh, another two electives with the Open University in International Finance and Management. Uh, that was a great experience. The MBA was the, the, the first uh, mindset changer, I would say. And that could have become much more, uh, I should have done that much more earlier, that much earlier. So I would advise myself, don't wait. And would you do the same degrees as you, as you did, or will you change anything in there? Look, the MBA of the Open University, which is a credible, uh, quadruple uh, accredited business school, is excellent. Um, it really served my learning style. It was um, blended learning, flipped class, as they call it. Yeah, uh, it was totally free time uh, allocation. We met sometimes in Munich, in Brussels, in Ireland, at uh, some residential schools there. And I've met a lot of fantastic people during the MBA. That for sure I, I would have done again. Um, would have I done the MSc in international finance and marketing? I would not really advise that. It was just, you know, some people think that the MSc is a bit uh, more specific, more deep uh, a subject uh, uh, study. Whereas the MBA is very generic and in general management. Yeah. yeah. But if I look at the general management uh, education of the Open University, for example, you got you had to have uh, electives, and they were also specific. So I did the marketing in a complex world, for example, that was a very specific one. So the the second the MSc was probably not required. I should have jumped directly on the Master of Research, and the Master of Research is. Uh, uh, nine modules of the University of Liverpool that uh, prepares you for the doctorate of business administration. Uh, but I'm uh, pausing on that one so far, uh, rather looking after my business at this yeah. stage. Yeah. Cool. So um, how did your, so for those people who don't know, uh, that you also sit on uh, as one of the person who approve or reject people who apply for one of the grants, uh, we can talk about the the particular grant that you work with but you're one of those people who assess businesses their plans their propositions and um approve or reject um those those plans uh in in favor or against getting the grant and also you provide consulting services to people who are applying for grants and stuff let's dive a little bit deeper into into that what it is that you do in yeah, the uh, the, my main business is uh, business development consulting, where I'm helping SMEs to, you know, uh, develop their markets in Germany. And when I started my freelance business, I was at uh, an institution here close by. We are in the metropolitan region of Nuremberg. And uh, they asked me from the Chamber of Commerce to get in touch with Bayern Innovative, which is Bavaria Innovative. That's an institution. And uh, they said, with your caliber and with your experience, why don't you help the European Union uh, in, you know, competently uh, investing the money in SMEs? Because you have to imagine uh, in the European 
commission, uh, you got a lot of politicians and lawyers and, and administrative uh, people that lack the experience uh, on, on, you know, heavy industries, on original equipment manufacturing. And they, if they get a project, they may not be able to, you know, evaluate it realistically. And uh, I said, okay, I can do that. I mean, uh, in the beginning of your freelance status, you, are, uh, you can be happy to obtain uh, mandates from anywhere. And uh, that was my initial thinking. And then later on, if my business goes well, maybe this one will be uh, phased out. But actually, it remains really a stable service in my, in my portfolio. So uh, I, I, I registered with the EASME and I was one of 1,600 coaches. And it appeared that um, within these 1,600 coaches, most of them are from the finance sector, uh, like angel investors. They are from the lean production sector, so helping SMEs to produce uh, lean, um, or IT sector, software sector. And there are only uh, a few that are really uh, in business development. And uh, that uh, was really my competitive advantage that I was booked really from day one from SMEs that said, okay, let's have a look in our business development procedures and processes and let's get up to date there. Uh, so the, the, the coaching uh, itself was the first step. The evaluation came just recently, this year, on top of it. So I was always a coach. And um, it was for me as a coach when I was presented a case, for example, for phase one, you can get a grant of up to 50,000 euros. I was approached about uh, from the European uh, Enterprises Network, which is uh, in every major city. I was approached by the key account managers, so-called, whether I'm available for coaching. But then I was presented a case and it, it, it meant, please go and coach this company. Uh, or are you available for coaching this company is the first question. And 90% uh, of the time I am available, so I'm saying yes. I read through the documents and I say, okay, um, I have an idea. Make a Skype meeting, talk to the owner. Uh, we just fix the topics we want to be covered in the coaching and off we go. But at that time, I didn't really understand uh, who is actually selecting that coach. Why is he uh, being awarded uh, with, you know, a grant of 50,000 euro or in phase two up to 2 million euros? One of my coaches has uh, built up a plant in Slovakia, a textile plant uh, that was 8 million euros. And out of that 8 million euros, 2 million was granted by the European Commission. So this is serious money. And I didn't understand. I, I just took my job, uh, your job, my job was to, to coach. And uh, beginning of this year, I had the possibility to register in other tools. And you have to know that you cannot be an evaluator and a coach at the same time. That is excluded. That's not possible. Uh, so you have to either evaluate or coach or, 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 or give finance services or something else. This is uh, strict rules. So, but I wanted to know how this evaluation works and I was then invited and uh, this is where my master of research came, uh, came handy uh, into evaluating uh, projects. And 
you say rejection and passing and scoring, uh, for me, it's very, very difficult to reject uh, a project. And out of the projects that I have evaluated so far, um, I have rejected only once uh, out of maybe a dozen uh, projects that were presented to me. Usually they are quite um, reasonable and uh, quite uh, well described, um, but they're also at varying degrees. Uh, one I liked very much, uh, that was about a lightweight vehicle, but I cannot go into that detail a lot. But lightweight vehicles is also, you see, resonates with me because I'm in the composite sector. Uh, so I was uh, chosen for the right project to evaluate it. So uh, the one I had to when reject. They apply for such grants, they should cross their fingers and wish that you evaluate them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, so, so the one I rejected uh, was really below standards. And uh, if uh, our audience uh, has the time, uh, please listen to how the evaluation takes place in the bonus area of ad. Uh, and this is the, the basic requirements uh, we are giving there. And if you don't meet those uh, or cannot answer those questions, uh, you better don't apply for a grant. Uh, those questions are essential. They have to be answered. And if they're not answered, it's, it's for an evaluator very, very uh, difficult to uh, pass it or give it a score that uh, has a, a possibility to pass this project. So, yeah, uh, so yeah. guys, once more, um... If you don't know what we are talking about, we have recorded a session with um, just with a PowerPoint presentation explaining the whole process of evaluation of uh, a grant application and uh, and stuff like that. So if you're interested in grant, definitely go and check it out. It's inside the toolkit area that you will find on our uh, website right now. It's booksmind.com. Uh, and you'll find the link to get the toolkit for free. And uh, this session is inside the toolkit waiting for you. Now, coming back to the talk topic we are discussing right now. Um, so let's talk a little bit about who should apply for these grants and what are these grants, uh, why these grants exist, and what is the process of application? Yeah, starting at with the who should apply. Um, in my view, yeah. So we begin with the name of the, the grant we are talking about. The uh, grant's name is European Innovation Council that we are talking about uh, today, Ed. And uh, you were asking who should apply for this. Uh, basically, it's open for any uh, company that is an SME, has an innovation, is resident in the EU, all EU member states, plus Switzerland, Turkey, and Israel. Now, don't ask me why uh, Israel is included in that, but apparently there are, uh, you know, ties that uh, would like to be covered by the European Innovation Council. And, uh, and I'm assuming yeah, it's, UK it's, is included. Yeah, UK is included, of course. Yeah, UK is a major contributor to, to this uh, scheme and... Uh, regardless uh, uh, what happens in the future, it will continue to do so. Uh, so anyone who has an SME, who has an innovation, and uh, it is seldom it's it's a one-person uh, company. Typically, it's a team of people, a small company, but it can be, as I said, an institute, also uh, larger companies that can 
apply for these these grants and there are phase one it's up to 50,000 euros and phase two it can be anything up to 2 million euros so can that people with no previous companies can also apply if they have some ideas or for example yes. can startups apply yeah a startup uh, for sure a startup is an ideal ideal uh, client okay. i mean you are going through several evaluation stages and uh, it's not that the evaluator in the end decides uh, who is going to get a grant or not. The evaluator gives only a, um, it's, let's say, an expert comment on the project, where he believes, based on the criteria that are fixed and transparent for everyone, uh, this uh, has a high score, mid score, or let's say underscore uh, the decision. The decision who gets a grant or not is, is up to the EASME and the consortium within the EASME. There, there is a decision-making unit, I would say, that decides them, uh, them on this. Of course, not everyone who applies gets a grant, but um, the likelihood of if you have an innovation that really disrupts as value and you fulfill these criteria is, is high. So what kind of things are we talking about? Are we talking about those breakthrough ideas that are funded by venture capitalists and angel investors or also the ideas that are not typically funded by these, for example, service innovations uh, or uh, other brick and mortar businesses? Yeah, very good question. Um, <clears throat> I've seen so far, I was not involved in them, but I've, I've seen so far that also services uh, are, of course, uh, service factories, I would call them. Uh, on the blueprint, at least, there are service factories are also, uh, yeah, let's say, supported. What is a service factory? Uh, a service factory, uh, something that comes into my mind is uh, a, a company that services uh, across Europe. Uh, let's say you have a... Just an example, you have a canteen in your factory, and uh, Sodexo, I think, is the name. This would be a service factory for me. They have a standardized service in, in different chemical factories where you can rent them. Now, this is not an innovation concept. Uh, what I've seen is uh, th there was some artificial intelligence projects uh, that had this in the mind in the medical sector. I cannot go much deeper into that, uh, but they were thinking about services for hospitals and doctors uh, to help them through artificial intelligence. And that, uh, for me, would be a service factory because you have, I don't know, one million hospitals maybe in uh, all over Europe, and uh, you could set up artificial intelligence in every hospital. Right. Okay. Right. The, the likelihood of getting a grant is high and uh, that I wanted to add because the scheme has several billion euros in, in, their, uh, in their hand to really uh, distribute. So we're, we're really talking billions here. So there are not many entrepreneurs who I come across on a daily basis who are um, thinking of grants and and even if they are they're like as you mentioned i think in your uh the presentation that we recorded uh earlier uh that they're like five thousand different grants or more 
uh, and how do people select which grant is for them and which grant they have more chances of getting um, like accepted and and um, to me this grant also looks like an accelerator where they are provided with coaching like with somebody uh, with your caliber and uh, further nurturing as they go in deeper and deeper in apply applying their um, their ideas in their business and, and in improving the world. Yeah, 5,000 uh, different grant instruments at only in Germany. Wow. Now, now imagine the UK, probably three, 4,000. And as I mentioned also in the, in the bonus material, <clears throat> these can be uh, functional grants, uh, IT product uh, coaching, or this can be regional grants because maybe you are living in a region that uh, requires certain grants. And the whole idea of the grant is, of course, to create jobs. In the end, we want that economies prosper. And uh, everyone believes that innovation is the way forward for this. We are. It's, it's seldom that commodity items or items which you could outsource in a low-cost country are granted. I'm sure there's a grant for that also, but I'm not involved in those grants. Uh, but uh, talking to, to innovation-driven companies, um, there are many, many gra uh, grants available. Now, some critics say, well, I can ask uh, for a grant, but it's a a time-consuming task and yes it can be because uh, you have to prove your case you have to uh, make a concept you have to prepare a business plan you have to study the market maybe a focus group survey but I tell you what you need to do this anyway not for the grant you have to do this to be successful as a company so there are studies that show from an expert, uh, uh, which I enjoyed just the other day, um, who is, let's say, also a good resource when it comes to selecting the right grant out of the 5,000 in Germany. He has shown an example. Uh, there was a family business in, let's say, metal forming, okay, just to create a, a case uh, up in Hamburg. These two brothers, they had a fight. You know, like Adidas, Adidasler, the sports company, they, the two brothers Adidas, had a fight. So these both guys had a fight too. And they both separated with identical uh, business solutions, products. Yeah, like Ambani's yeah. in India as well. Yeah. So the one uh, uh, brother takes grants says, okay, I need to grow now. Our company is split. We are not in a good financial situation. I got old machines here. I need grants to upgrade my equipment, to upgrade my uh, buildings and, and everything. The other brother says, no, no, we, we have been successful over the years and we did this on our own. And he continued. And he showed that the difference after 10 years between the brother who took the grants, he did a profit of 
4 million euros. I'm talking only profit now, not sales revenue. And the other brother who did not take any grant had a profit of 400,000 euros. Wow. wow. And much less sales revenue. So what, what, does it, what does it tell us? The work you're putting into these business plans, into your strategic thinking, and getting coached, and then uh, as a result of that, becoming a grant and raising more equity helps you to leverage the company. So that is uh, an evidence that grants are not work, they are really a support in developing your, your company. Therefore, I would encourage everyone to apply for a grant because it also forces you to think strategically and structure your thinking. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. That's really powerful. Here's something that I have in my mind. Why would grants give you money and they don't they don't take equity or or any kind of security in return? It may be super lame layman question, but I think it helps understand comparing them versus getting uh, or applying for um, investments from investors. Okay, just just to get this right, do you mean why does the European Innovation Council, for the monies they are granting, not take uh, an asset share or yes. how do or any kind of thing in return? Any like... kind of uh, equity. Yeah, the European Innovation Council is um, remember a, a institute of the European Commission, which is uh, let's say a. Co uh, a collaboration of the European member states and we don't want to see that the European Commission owns uh, anything um, let's say uh, from the SMEs and also doesn't want uh, the SME to feel like the government is trying to get influence uh, over this company uh, the European Commission's desire is to create jobs and this is a vehicle uh, to to make sure that everything humanly possible is done that the economy prospers so yes it's it's in the end maybe a gift uh, that is coming from the taxpayers i mean the taxpayers are paying this but there's so much control in this process like independent evaluators, independent coaches, that this money is well invested uh, and gives jobs back, let's say. So you pay tax and uh, let's say a higher hierarchy ensures that new innovation, new innovative companies get their chance to create more jobs. That assumes, of course, that why SMEs now? Why are not multinational corporations funded in that way? Uh, the assumption is an SME is uh, constrained by his financial excess. Uh, an SME also is, however, flexible. Flat hierarchies can decide much faster, can adapt much faster. So innovation is better placed as an S at an SME rather than an MNC. And you see also that many large corporations, um, in order to fuel the entrepreneurial spirit, they 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 make small accelerators outside their current business. They keep them separate. Mm 
So um, here's my takeaway from this discussion is that no matter what you're doing, if you have a new idea or if you want to test a new idea, and um, as with everyone else, unless you have a huge backing of some big investor um, in order to go out and test your ideas uh, to change the world, you should apply for yes. grant. Even yes. as an exercise that how structured your strategy is, a thinking yes. is just the process as an exercise will improve with itself. Absolutely. Let's, uh, however, uh, take some key topics that the European Commission wants to address. Yeah, that, that is, would be nice. In, yeah, environmental protection is hot. They uh, really support environmental protective excuse me, uh, investments, innovations. Mobility is the other one, yeah, green mobility. Uh, renewable energies, infrastructure, medical. These, these, five, these five, I would say, um, are probably the ones that drive the whole innovation world. Right. Um, so <laughs> that is probably also my tip now that uh, if you come from the software side, the artificial intelligence side, try to address these issues in mobility, infrastructure, medical, uh, renewable energy areas, then you will get uh, grants. Right. Uh, but I would not restrict it to this. Yeah, because take this your is chance one of the 5,000 anyway, grants. Very... <laughs> they're, 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 they're more. So you, when you start to prepare, you may even discover that um, which grant is more aligned with your vision of the way you want to change the world, the way you want to innovate, the, the, thing, the way things are done and, and stuff like that. Now, uh, before we go, I would love to discuss about this. I remember last time when we were talking, you were working on a project. I think you were also releasing um, a, a, webinars, a webinar about it. Uh, what is it that you're working on? That yeah, thanks, Ed, for uh, reminding me uh, about the, the, the webinar that will be uh, uh, soon up, upcoming. Today, Just uh, I spoke with my uh, web designer to set up a, a, a micro website on that. Um, not yet full automized. Uh, we will start first with just a, a webinar. The webinar is, um, uh, you can take the title from this bonus PowerPoint presentation, Upgrade Your Business to Business Development. And in this webinar, I would like to have um, SME owners, CSOs, CEOs attending. Uh, and what I would like to see and help SMEs is, again, in this innovation-driven world, um, most mindsetters are in the upstream. Upstream means the procurement, the R&D, uh, the human resources, the, the operating systems, but your customers, your end users, they don't really, they're not interested in these features. Right. right. They, for them, this would be something that is that comes natural. You have to have a, a clever purchasing policy and you have the talents available. The customer wants to see that his problem is solved. And there is this um, methodology that I have pursued in my career, in the steep uh, career progression I had. We've doubled our sales revenue. Uh, 
you know, over uh, 10 years uh, from 15 to 30 million euros. And that came because we shifted our mind from the upstream to the downstream. In the downstream, we are looking at how do you come first into the mind of the customer? How do you provide value? How do you create the big picture? By the big picture, I mean you know things that your customers don't know, no matter what industry you are in. And uh, by the big picture, we want that our customers are made alert about the risks that are expecting them down the line. And within this webinar, I will present the idea of how we can create those tools with a performance class uh, that can be booked separately. So the webinar is the entry point, let's say, to the performance class, where we will go through each of these factors individually. Thanks for raising it, Ed. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. So um, where can people find more information about it? Uh, it's not yet uh, uh, released, but I will make a LinkedIn video on, uh, on the whole topic. And the website uh, will be then mentioned in the, in the LinkedIn uh, video uh, or the comments or, or the post. But it will be uh, attached as a new category under my website, www.imbeo.eu slash academy. So this is how I will start uh, the, the first version, micro version of, of the webinar. But then later on, my dream is, of course, to make this available not only to my LinkedIn community, but also to, let's say, <laughs> the whole planet. Right. And uh, right. I'm hoping, of course, with your support uh, to do that and automize this also. Right. right. So um, before we go, where would you like people to get in touch with you? I know you mentioned LinkedIn. Um, and uh, is there any other place? Or and if it's LinkedIn, what you would, would you like people to, to join, uh, connect with you or send you a message? Yeah, my LinkedIn profile, uh, it's a it's a premium profile, so you can uh, directly follow me and direct message me. Um, if, if that for some reason doesn't work, because I don't know how uh, what, what subscriptions there are available throughout the world on LinkedIn, you can email me at info at imbeo.de. Maybe we can put that also in, in, right. into the comments. And I will make sure that I will come back to you uh, in the shortest possible time. Perfect. So I'm, I'm really approachable. Don't worry. I mean, whatever question you have, um, just approach me and we will make a plan how I can help you with those. Perfect. Questions. So people who would need, uh, who would love to take some, uh, by the way, do you provide coaching on uh, applying for these grants or you provide coaching after they get approved in the, in the grants? Yeah, um, we cannot mix these things up. So um, I'm only giving coaching services after the grant. The evaluation stage, uh, you can say, is more done back office, um, right. not, not, not really involved in consulting, coaching, evaluation processes. That's, that has to be done by the, uh, let's say, evaluation provider like InnoWide or Eurostar. Yeah. So what else can people seek help from you? So coaching is one on business innovation coaching um, related to business development. Okay. Then uh, 
I'm open to uh, And if I'm not wrong, and... this business development doesn't mean sales. It means developing your business, right? Yeah, be- developing the business, positioning your product from the branding, researching the market, identifying the decision-making unit at key accounts. Um, that is the, the first part. We are looking at the different touch points uh, where you create value in the downstream. Then we uh, yeah, study the market uh, based on the customer profile you have identified, your ideal customer. Yeah, and then... but. Then, uh, of course, we can enter into a business development agreement where we are approaching the clients. Uh, ideally, we have, uh, I mean, I have a large network of clients. Yeah, and uh, there's something is, we did not cover much deeper, uh, that you have a huge, huge background in running um, decently large companies as the as the the head uh, director of companies and, uh, if I'm not wrong, CEO as well. Uh, yeah, I, at some time I was an expert uh, CEO yeah, in South Africa. Right. Yeah. So it's got huge, huge experience of all those things that people would need help with. And um, yeah, it's not just a freelancer. It's like it's a huge ladder that you've already climbed and then chose this freelancing uh, independent route. All right. Uh, this was amazing discussing. Uh, thank you very much for your time, LK. Uh, I really enjoyed this interview and I'm looking forward to see however uh, we can help you in your projects. Thank you so much, Ed, also for having me and uh, I wish you all the best with your platform. Right. Good luck. All right. Thanks.